Thank you again, God, for what you, you're doing in our midst. And uh, we pray now, God, just give us ears to hear and, um, Lord, a heart to receive all the things that you're saying, that you're speaking, you're doing, you're imparting to us. Lord, we thank you that uh, when we gather together in your name, there you are. And, uh, Lord, thank you that um, your son is going to receive the, the honor, the glory, for the reward of his sacrifice. He's going to get all that's due him in this hour. We just give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said amen. amen. Wow, what an exciting morning this has been. This is church. How many of you had a little fun today? Just a little, you know. You don't have too much. No, we want to have a whole lot. And I like that undignified word. That's uh, Yeah, man, I'm... Hey, David was known for that, wasn't he? Remember, they really didn't like that. He made some folks upset that uh, saw him dancing. He, I'll be even more undignified. So, hallelujah. What a great time. Yesterday, I want to thank all of those that helped in any way downstairs with food or ushering, parking, you know, coffee bar. But uh, we had a memorial service here yesterday for little Jackson Taylor and uh, eight months old Jackson. But what an amazing time to gather. Many, many churches were represented here. This place was just about full. I saw just a couple of seats. But uh, Chris and Jenny did an amazing, you know, to lose a child. And every, it was going pretty good until Jenny sang this lullaby. And that was, that was the end of it for most, all the women, and, uh, but most of the men as well. But... But, you know, Chris and Jenny, they served here for seven years. They were with us in the warehouse over in Wilkesboro. And uh, so they're part of our family. So it was much more, you know, meaningful to us than, um, than we could really imagine. But thank God for those that were a part of that. And, um, you know, we're family. We're going to be family, period. I mean, that's who we are. We're the family of God. We have one father. Say one father. You know, that to me was the most amazing. And there are a number of churches that are in agreement together. We have these tent meetings. There's another one coming up, I believe, in May. And uh, so it's pretty exciting. Not everywhere has a bunch of churches that come together. And it just really, I don't know, I was thinking, one of the first things that we did when we moved to this building, what, I don't think it was the first Sunday, because the first Sunday we met out in the foyer. Because we couldn't get in here yet. They were still doing some things. But then once we did get in here, the first thing the Lord said do, pray for every church in Wilkes County. So there we found out there were 300 plus churches. There's a bunch of Baptist churches. Mercy Church, No Mercy Baptist, Extra Mercy Baptist. I mean, they're all there, you know, many of them. But, uh, but anyway, so we put them up on the board and we prayed. It took us like, I don't know, well over a month, six weeks, two months, I don't know. But we covered every church. And I believe that just has borne a lot of fruit. You know, there's one body, one Lord, one faith, and uh, one baptism, that Scripture says. Now, we know there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, then there's the baptism of suffering, but there's only one baptism into the body of Christ. And we're all a part of that, and um, we're grateful. 
I wanted to follow up with last week, just mention a few things that we neglected mentioning that's a part of the, the vision, a part of the history of this church, things that uh, you know the way you get vision, you see what God is doing and whom God has sent, and you'll understand. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So that was his vision. He saw the Father. He went and did that. And uh, that's the same way for you and me. We see opportunities. But one of the things we've been doing is Shirley's prep classes over this last year. And, you know, preparing for the times. There's the, you know, practical preparation. And then there's a spiritual preparation. She's helping people prepare in the practical And I should be helping people prepare in the spirit. But, you know, remember the scripture, Noah, it says, being divinely warned in a dream of things that he had not yet seen. He moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark. And what happened because of that? He saved his household. And so there are some things we should be doing in this hour for practical preparation. Say amen on that. How many of you say amen? Some of you are still wondering Noah did it, and you know what? Noah was declared a man of mighty faith, great faith, and he moved with godly fear. In this hour, you will either move in the fear of what all the stuff that's happening or in the godly fear. But the godly fear doesn't run you to hide. The godly fear causes you to rise up and be who you've been called to be. You just run into the, you run into the battles, and you just do the will of God. And, uh, but anyway, we want to... I remember one of the first words, too. You remember this, Shirley. How many of you were with us back in the warehouse in those days? Just a few. Just a few of the stragglers. You know, church is strange today. People come around, they leave. But that's the way it's supposed to be. At times, you're supposed to go and do what God's called you to do. But we're still a part of the big family. That's what yesterday was about. But I remember one of the first words in the warehouse. It said, you are not to be merely survivalist. You're to be revivalist. And if you're revivalist, you're possibly going to be survivalist because God will see to it. So anyway, we've tried to maintain that, uh, that passion and that, uh, that vision for revival. I remember, it's where you guys were sitting years ago. There was a um, couple here from Bulgaria. And I heard from them this week. It was my birthday this week, so they were sending me. You know, you can't keep it secret. This Facebook, if you put it one time somehow, you know, I just soon keep it secret, you know. But anyway, this couple from Bulgaria, they uh, messaged me and just reminded me of the time they were here at the gathering. But also, they were just telling me, hey, war is on our doorsteps. And there are many things happening this hour. There are many threats. And uh, I was just trying to encourage them. But that's the time we live. You know, the Lord already told us far in advance. He said, there will be what? Wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I've always looked at that as there will be spiritual battles and there will be natural battles. But what else did he say? See that you're not troubled. Say, not troubled. Because you could get all into that, you know, you could get all into that. I didn't sense that couple from Bulgaria was becoming overly troubled. I just... You know, they're aware of the times in which we're li- they're living, but they believe they've been called for this moment. And uh, all of us have been called to this time. And, uh, but the Lord also said, the end of, is not yet. 
There's a bunch more to come. You can read Matthew chapter 24, and we've done that, and we'll do that again. But these are the times we've been called to. Say, these are the times that I've been called to. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to do the will of God. Because that's, that's who we are. And then, you know, Rick Joyner, when this church started, he said, you've got to remain flexible. And in the early years, we, this church moved to many places, and you had to be that way flexible. But I believe we just have to be flexible all the time and uh, be ready to uh, just, you know, the last day church. They knew they had a lamb that conquered, so they followed the lamb wherever he went. They also heard the voice of the Lord. Remember, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Well, I want to show you something real quick. I just ran across this yesterday, but look over in Job chapter 12. I'm just going to, there's some things I want to impart this morning, but there's something else I saw that really reminds us of what this day is, and I'll tell you about it in a moment because it's the anniversary of something that happened. But uh, look in uh, Job chapter 12. I just want to remind us, verse 13. Now understand, Job, everything he had was taken from him. The things that were the most precious to him were removed. And Satan actually had permission, except he couldn't take his life. So you understand the context. But he discovered something about God, even though it looked like everything had been taken, everything was falling around him. He said in verse 12, or verse 13, with him, with God, are wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. How many of you know God is the greatest counselor that you'll ever meet on, you know, this side of heaven and, uh, and that side of heaven? He is the counselor. And if he breaks a thing down, it cannot be rebuilt. That's interesting. If God breaks it, it's like Humpty Dumpty. You're not going to put him back together again. It's not going to happen. And then he goes on, if he imprisons a man... There can be no release. Interesting way to put things. If he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the earth. Goes on, let me just read. With him are strength and prudence. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away plundered. He makes fools of the judges. He loosens the bonds of kings and binds their waist with a belt. He leads princes away plundered, or leaders, and overthrows the mighty. He deprives the trusted ones of speech. In other words, they don't even know what to say. And takes away the discernment of the elders. He pours contempt on princes, I like this, and disarms the mighty. While the world is arming America's actually disarming, sending all our arms into Ukraine. That's a different story. Anyway, it's interesting times in which we live, but we got to remember something. Look in verse 22. He uncovers deep things out of darkness and brings the shadow of death to light. Now, verse 23, he makes nations great. You know where the real MAGA movement is? Not on earth, it's in heaven. It's only God that can make any nation great again. Amen. I mean, if you know that. 
He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations. He guides them, takes away the understanding of the chiefs or the presidents or the leaders of the people of the earth. He makes them wander in a pathless wilderness. They grope in the dark without light. He makes them stagger like a drunken man. You know what Job was basically saying in all that? God is sovereign, and I'm going to trust in him. He is the one that I'm going to look to. In fact, I counted it up this morning. You'll find 15 to 18 or so times where he says he does this. In other words, our help is not in man. Our help is in the Lord. And in this hour especially, it is he that we will put our trust Now, you know what today is, right? How many of you know? It's the 50th anniversary of when the Supreme Court legalized abortion in America. January the 22nd, 50 years ago today. Many of us, now I know that the court recently made a decision that gave the states the rights, but that only caused the left or those who are the enemies of life to just double down. And other states have tried to fill in the gaps, inviting people. They have billboards in many places. Hey, come get your abortions here, free of charge. We'll fly you in, take care of you, feed you, so that we can go after your baby. I'm telling you, it's an incredible time. My thought is, and I know you're in agreement, you're the choir. What happened 50 years ago today opened up a gate of death that we're seeing much of the fruit of that death being played out even, even in our day. And, uh, but, you know, you, you, I was thinking of you guys. You probably wonder, why did they believe abortion is illegal? I mean, it's, it's legal, you know, in America, but why do we believe there's a problem? And you need to know what the Bible says. We don't want you just to take it for granted what we say is right or wrong. You need to know what God says is right or wrong. And I was thinking about some of the scriptures, and um, we need to just be reminded. Jeremiah said how the Lord knew him in his mother's womb, remember? There was a call on his life even from the foundation of the world. So that gives you an indication that God knows about you even long before you're you. Okay? Right? Before you even were planned. Isaiah 49.2, the Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix, or the inward parts of my mother. He's made mention of my name. And then the scripture we all know, Psalm 139.13, for you formed my inward parts, you covered or you wove me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So that tells us that God had a plan, God had a purpose, even before we had any substance. Now, there's something I want to do before I get into the rest of the thing. You know, a lot of people have had abortions, and they carry this weight of guilt They've carried it all their lives. Now, abortion is not an unforgivable sin. How many of you know that? How many of you know the blood of Jesus is a little bit more powerful than men shedding innocent blood? Now, it's a horrible thing, but it must must be repented of, but you don't have to carry that with you. You can be 
forgiven. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from how much? All unrighteousness. And I just had a feeling this morning that there would be people watching, maybe people in this room, and you've carried this guilt for many, many years, and you, don't, you didn't understand maybe why you were carrying it, but you would need to be free from it. So could we just pray? And, and I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. I don't want anyone to look around. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but, but I felt like there would be people even here this morning. How many of you would say, that's me? Maybe you didn't have an abortion, but maybe you were the instigator. You caused an abortion. You called, you know, a girl. You said, you must abort this baby. How many of you are there and you carried some guilt? Okay, there, okay, one, two, three, Okay, online, I believe there are many. Hey, we're going to get rid of it this morning, okay? We're going to break that off once and for all because we can come to him. He's merciful. He's merciful. There has to be repentance, and the way you do that, you begin by confessing. God, I acknowledge that is sin. That is sin, and I confess it before you. There's nothing you can do to make it right, but you can run to him who made it right at Calvary, and you stand on the finished works of Calvary, the shed blood. So, Father, I thank you right now for the forgiveness of Jesus. And, Lord, how we wish, Lord, everyone in our nation, there would be such great conviction. There would be massive repentance. And, Lord, we trust you to handle all of this. But thank you. Today, there is forgiveness of sin because of the blood of Jesus and the grace that is available And we bless you right now. And God, we just confess right now. I agree with those that raise their hands, those that are watching. We confess our sin before you. Lord, according to your word, and we ask you for forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that the guilt would be broken once and for all. That you would come in and bring healing and bring forgiveness. As if, Lord, thank you, the word justified means just as if you've never sinned. Lord, that's too good almost to be true in our own mindset. But it is the truth. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus, for forgiveness, repentance, forgiveness, and freedom. And I thank you whom the Son sets free is free indeed in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, amen. Amen. I don't know who all that was for. There was some here, some online. But man, you don't need to carry stuff around. Just get free. Well, I mentioned to you last week, I was going to meet a very precious man. I met him. You know, the man that prophesied that in 2019, he was in Uganda, and he prophesied that a great revival would come in 2022. Well, I got to tell him about it, and I showed him the the clip. I said, hey, Benny, do you remember when you prophesied this? He said, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember. But let me show you a couple clips. Nate, can you get those up? We had another uh, discipleship gathering this week in Uganda. And uh, now, after the meetings, there's great deliverance that breaks out. There were a couple different slides I could have showed you. But there there was numbers of people laid out on the grass after. Now, there they had a big stage set up, and there we are, front and center. Look at the people that showed up. I don't even know how I got there, much less how they got there. But they showed up, 
in massive numbers. And this time they actually had the screen where, where they, I could see them the whole time and they could see me. Now, I think there's a little clip. Can you, uh, this is what happened after the meeting was over. Many people came to the Lord. Do you have that little movie? You may not have that. Yeah, yeah, play that for just, This was their celebration after the gathering. Yes, It looked like the gathering this morning. Yeah! Undignified. Hallelujah. Anyway, I wanted to show you that. It's pretty cool. You know, we, you know, we try, Carla and I and others, we try our best, you know, not to be boastful, but it's okay to boast in the Lord. Because we know where we came from, and we know what God is doing. And anyway, I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 2. Now, all of this was for a purpose, some things that I feel like I'm to share, and we're going to pray. And um, this is a good time to be a believer. How are you going to lose a little eight-month-old child and make it through it unless you know Jesus in this hour? And uh, anyway, Jenny and Chris were marvelous testimonies of what it means to lose something so precious and yet have joy and peace. And, and anyway, who knows what's going to happen as a result of that. But look at this in Isaiah chapter 2. Let me read the scriptures and we'll go back and talk about it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, say fully come. They were all with one accord and in one place and suddenly... I've been hearing all these years, get ready for the suddenlies. Well, I'm ready. I'm re- How many of you are ready for a suddenly? Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. It's got to come from heaven because the sounds coming from the earth, you know, they're so-so. But the ones from heaven. It came as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one said on each of them, I bet that looked really pretty awesome, terrifying, if you know, to some. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men, and they were all basically hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language. And that was a mighty miracle. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Now, this is going to happen. Others were mocking. It's typical. Others mocking. They said, they're they're just full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass, say come to pass, in the last days, says God, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my men servants and my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall 
prophesy. And then there's a little bit that we wonder, but it's becoming clearer as to what all this means. At the same time, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome or the terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this week, Bonnie Jones, she's a great friend of this congregation. She sent me a dream. Now, she sent me a number of dreams that she's had from time to time about us. Thank God for people like that that have good dreams about you. It's better than people having nightmares, you know. <laughs> and Well, I had a nightmare about you last no, she's always had good dreams. But in the, I'm going to just read it. She said, I had a dream this morning, and this was this week, past week, where I was dropping some things off at the gathering. However, everything looked different. Everything was bigger, including the parking lot. In fact, on one end of the parking lot was a storehouse where you were distributing food and essentials for the home. Even the sanctuary was larger. Remember, Bobby prophesied that as well. I did not see the flags. However, the walls were full of miracles and supernatural healings that had taken place in the sanctuary. At that moment, I realized the evidence of you embracing the anointed one. You appeared younger. Hey, that's great. I like that. And even very energetic. I remember seeing your secretary. Now, it'll explain in a moment who the secretary is, so don't let your mind go wondering. I remember seeing your secretary embrace you. However, I could not see her face. I knew she was older and wore a long brown coat. She even kissed you on the cheek like a mother would kiss her son, and you embraced her like a son would his mother. Honestly, I feel this was the Holy Spirit. Everyone worked together in a spirit of unity. I had the sensing that you, the church, were in a season of change and expansion because you have embraced the anointed one, not just the anointing of man. And that's true. We appreciate the anointings of all that have come. But we're, after, we're going after the anointed one. We want him. Men have not impressed us that greatly. We appreciate men and women. But we're looking to the Son of God. And, and that's something that's in all of us because you have embraced the anointed one, not just the anointing of man. It was like the sanctuary was God's showcase or treasury because you honored the anointing and you did not exploit it. I feel the storehouse represents the goodness of man's heart, the heart of God. You are continuously feeding and nurturing the body of Christ. Now, these kind of things really encourage me personally. And I was thinking of this, I was thinking about the words that Bobby Connor has had for us, because he sees the walls, you know, blown out. And I've been thinking about the move of God among the youth. They went off to the ramp, and something was deposited in them. And we're not going to let it die out. It ain't going to die. Let me, it ain't going to die out, period. It's just not going to happen. God lights fires. He's not putting them out. He wants to light a big one. He's a consuming fire, but I'm thinking about all this. And so I came up with three questions 
this morning that um, I believe will help us in these times. The first one is, why is God pouring out his spirit in places like Uganda and, you know, the youth and all these things that we're hearing in many places? Why is he doing that? And why can you and I, why can we have such expectancy that he's going to do it here? He's going to do it in our nation. He's going to do it in your nation. How can you have expectancy from Bulgaria or where you're going? How? Well, I want to try to answer that. Secondly, where are the places where we can expect such a move of God in this hour? How many of you want to know? I'm going to do this quickly. So it's just, I'm just going to throw these things out. And then the last one, what happens when he moves in a certain nation? When there is an outpouring of the Spirit. So the first thing, you listen quickly, I'll speak quickly. But we want to impart it, okay? I want to, these are questions that I have myself. Because I look at all the things going on, and I say, God, how? How? God, do you, know not, do you not know what they're planning over in Davos? God says, I know all about all that. I was in the meeting. You know, they, they, were, they were having these meetings where they were quiet. No one allowed. The press couldn't even get in. God was in their meeting. Anyway, I'd like to tell them that. Hey, you, you think you kept everybody out. No, you didn't. And some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. Let's just press on. I'm asking these questions myself. So anyway, number one, why is God moving in certain places? And why should we have an expectancy? Why should you? That he's going to move where you live. Well, here's some things I jotted down. Number one, we know that any move of the Holy Spirit comes not because anyone necessarily got up and declared that it was going to happen, but obviously he was declaring what heaven wanted to happen. Does that make sense? Now, the move in Uganda didn't happen because Benny Hinn just said, I think I'm going to prophesy a revival today. No, Benny Hinn was hearing what heaven wanted to release on the earth. So he got up and he said, wait, I see a vision. I prophesy in three years. And we've seen it come to pass. How many of you know heaven has an agenda for the hour? So how is heaven's agenda going to happen on the earth except but by you and me coming into agreement what God has said he wanted to do? Now, Jesus said he saw what the Father's doing, and he went. That's where he obtained vision, and so he got involved in what the Father's doing. Well, likewise, you and I can get involved in what the Father is saying. And how many of you know it doesn't take a whole lot of people to be in agreement about it? If I really was going to take a lot of time, you could read from Matthew chapter 18, but it speaks about if any two agree, any two. Sometimes there's only two left. I've seen them. Wasn't too many more than me and Shirley and our dog and, you know, whoever else would come. But anyway, we stayed in agreement. And look what God is doing in this hour. And it doesn't, you know, I always, I always, live, you know, these people that say, well, we're not in unity enough. I looked it up. I looked it up. In Acts chapter 2, he's not talking about everybody agreeing on everything, always seeing eye to eye. All they were was in one place at one time together. That's what you look it up. That's what that means. They were all gathered in one place together. Sometimes that's all you got. That's all you need. Two or more can bring heaven down. 
just being in agreement. And then secondly, what God is doing, this move of God in Africa that we're a part of, you're a part of it, and it continues to spread. And even this week I heard it's moving into the South Sudan. I'm not even sure where the South Sudan is. I'm going to have to go look it up. But anyway, this move of God that is beginning, even in our youth, we got to understand it is a move of the Holy Spirit. Men plan things all the time. How many of you ever seen a man plan a move of God? I've seen people talk about it. I've wanted it. I've at times in my ministry said, now it's going to begin today. Well, it didn't begin that day. It might have already begun and maybe I didn't know it. But it's a move of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And so we're going to believe. All we can do is yield to him. Say yield to him. And our prayer is, Father, send me. Here am I. Use me. How many of you found that's really the best prayer at times? You can't make anything happen, but you can enter in in agreement to the one who makes all things happen and makes all things good. And God can even come and remove the mountains because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, the truth is, the outpouring that we're believing God for, it does come in answer to prayer. God does put it on our hearts. Intercession. The Moravian lampstand is vital. I cannot imagine without prayer over these last number of years. I met a minister this week. I wouldn't name his name for anything, but he looked, I thought he looks like everything is together. Looks like he's having glory. And in the parking lot, he said, David, I'm about to fall apart. If it wasn't for the mercies of God right now, if it wasn't for prayer, man, I don't even think I could make it from day to day. I looked, are you serious? But he found a great secret. I don't think I can, but with prayer, I can. Do you know, this? someone said one time that God does nothing except in answer to prayer. It doesn't mean God can do nothing. It just means he's chosen to answer the prayers of his people. And he puts it on our heart and he's going to. And then another thing, a move of the Holy Spirit to some degree has to do with the sacrifices that the people make. And I was going to share this anyway this week. But last week, Chris, from this pulpit, or yesterday, Chris Taylor, looked out and he said, you know, I don't understand it all, but I believe somehow the death of my son is like a seed that is planted in this region that's going to be like a rippling effect. And his blood that was shed, he died, is going to produce life. And I I thought about that, and, and I was already going to say it, so it just confirmed. Galatians says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, what will happen? It will produce much fruit. How many of you have noticed the greatest things of promotion in your life came out of seasons of death? When you had to pick up your cross, the blood of the martyrs, it's sometimes... I I shared with the, the Uganda crowd this week, it wasn't Friday, it was Wednesday on the radio, but I remembered this story about David Livingston. How many of you remember that name? And he had a heart for Africa. He was an explorer. 
and a missionary, and he somehow went to Cape Town, South Africa. And, but he wasn't satisfied being in South Africa. He wanted to, to move into the central part of Africa. And in fact, he said, he wrote in his journal, I shall open a path into the interior of Africa or I will perish. Well, he did both. And he went into Mozambique, he went into Angola, went into some uh, mo- uh, other nations, Zambia, and he cut his way. He's an explorer, but he went, he brought the gospel. And I understand oh, he had three different journeys. One of his journeys, his wife died. Another journey, his son was to come and go with him, but he never made it. Somehow he was in America and got drafted. It was during the Civil War. So he fought for the North, and he was killed. He he was uh, killed in one of the battles. So anyway, that third journey, he went blazing into Central Africa. David Livingston literally died on the mission field. And the story is that they knew his love for Africa, so they cut his heart out. The people cut his heart out, buried his heart there in Central Africa somewhere. They sent his body back to Great Britain, I believe is what what happened, heartless, because he left his heart in Africa. But anyway, how how many of you know God's still hearing? I'm telling you, he's still moving in response to the sacrifices. This was amazing meeting Benny Hinn. I only got to meet him for just a little bit. But Jerry was there in Labrada. I wish, you, I wish everybody could have been there because he just shared the stories of his life. Very vulnerable. Talked about betrayals, you know, and he talked about um, what was the lady he's carrying or carried her mantle? Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman's ministry ended because of a betrayal, one person on her staff. And in the last days of her life, she wouldn't let anybody in to even see her, pray for her. Oral Roberts literally came to pray for her. And she said, don't you dare touch me. I don't want to live any longer. Don't lay your hands on me. Now, she knew that if he did, she'd get up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he was telling us all these stories. But right at the end, he shared how that he... There was a friend, he was a pastor, missionary. Anyway, getting ready to go somewhere. And he said, this young man had everything you're looking for in ministry. You know, he was up and coming, had a great charisma, could build a gigantic church. But they're together, and this man, this father says, I'm going to the mission field, and I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to die. And uh, Benny said, wait, your children your wife, they're all right here. Afterward, he got him off to the side. Your ch- you said that in front of your children, small children. He said, oh, don't worry. They already know. I've already told them. I'm going to die. The Lord told me I'm going, and I'm going to die. I'm not going to come home. They already know. Guess what happened? He died. And then Benny Hinn ministered to the family years, I don't know how much longer. But thank God for people that are willing to lay it all down. And sometimes it's going to take all of that. But I want to remind you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it's going to bear a whole lot of fruit. Say a lot of fruit. And then another thing, the outpouring of the Spirit happens. Many times it's because it's just God doing what he pleases. We don't have an explanation. Psalm 115.3, but our God is in heaven 
means he's exalted, right? And he does whatever he pleases. And then another thing, outpourings don't occur. Listen to this. They don't occur because you and I have it all together. If God's waiting for all of us to get it all together, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the whole thing began when we were unworthy. And he chose, even though we were unworthy, he chose to die for us. But also, you skip later on into that chapter, verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound or that it might be made known. But then it says, for where sin abounded, what else happens? Grace much more abounds. And that's what we need to happen in America. You know, there are many people saying, well, you need to lay off of that sin message. No, that's what we need to hear. We need to hear. You know the message, we've, we've sinned against God. You just don't stop there. There is forgiveness. There's only one answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. And he is the answer for America's ills. So we want to raise the law, reminds us that sin abounds, but the grace of our God abounds. So you know what we need in America right now? We need an amazing grace to be on display again. Now, we're not those with cheap grace. That's not where we're going. It wasn't cheap. He paid the price on the cross for us, and that's the way. And then the outpouring that uh, I believe God wants to bring, it is something that God has purposed for this season and time. Did he not say in the last days, I will pour out my spirit? So it's an indication. Okay, second question. This will go quicker. Where are the places where we can expect such a move of God to happen in our hour right now? Where's it going to happen? I know. Can I tell you? Number one, this is what the Lord put in my heart. Number one, in some very dry places. Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Have you ever felt like you've been living in a dry place? You're a candidate. Prophesy to the rain. He said, ask of me for the rain in the day of the latter rain. Lord, the ground is awful dry. Well, that is exactly where the rains can make a difference, is to change the atmosphere. I had a dream this week. This really, this has been an amazing week, even with baby Jackson and our role, and so glad we could have it here and all that, and it was, he's buried out in the graveyard. But this week, was it Friday morning, before the Uganda discipleship gathering, I had a dream that I was in a flood, and all I could see, it's like I was in my car, but it was, I was flood, it was a flood. I could see the water, the rippling on top of the water. And I knew I was going to have a hard time getting home or getting anywhere because of the flood. Well, can I tell you, that's what God wants to do. He wants to send a flood upon the dry ground. My prayer is, Lord, let it rain in America. I know it's awful dry. We don't have to cover it up. It has never been as dry as it is right now. And then the second thing, 
I know where else revival will come, in some very dark places. How do you know? Isaiah 60, darkness will cover the earth. And what? Deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord will arise over you. And you said it earlier. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And I know there's some really dark places. There are places where there's been very little of the light of the gospel. But according, if I understand Acts chapter 2 correctly, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That means every nation on the earth. I don't know to what degree. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe there's just two missionaries have been plowing in prayer. I don't know. But God is going to fulfill his word. There's going to come light in the midst of the dark places. And we can know that. And then here's number three. You ready? In the midst of some very dead places. Is he not the God of the resurrection? Man, do you know how much glory God gets when the dead are raised to life again? He gets a lot of glory. And I was thinking about Ezekiel, and uh, God said, you go and you prophesy. Remember the bones, they were very dry. They also were very dead. They were dead, dry bones. And so he speaks the word, prophesies the life, the breath to come. And what happened to that valley of dead, dry bones? They became an exceedingly great and mighty army of God. And then the next thing, there's going to be, now listen to this one. In the midst of many of the devil's places. Did you hear that? How can that be, God? Well, because is he not the Lord of the earth? Now, I just read today, Job. Who was it? Chapter 9, verse 12. I've given the earth into the hands of the wicked. That's what it said. And then Job says, well, if the Lord hadn't done it, who else could do it? Something like that. How many of you remember that scripture? If it's not the Lord, then who is it? In other words, he was declaring the sovereignty of God over all the places where the enemy, where it looks like the wicked are ruling. He was declaring, wait a minute. Is God not ultimately sovereign over even the hand of the wicked? Can he not stay the hand? Can he not put the armies of hell to flight? He's just chosen to use me and you and me. So he's sending us into the midst of the devil's places to declare that the kingdom of God is here. How, 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 who do we think we are? I can tell you who we think we are. We're the sons of the living God that all of creation is waiting for to show up in those villages and those nations. I know it looks pretty bad. These guys have big weapons. Big We got a big God. And besides, besides the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not like the weapons that these guys have. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, a stronghold is a place of the enemy. The pulling down and declaring the kingdom of God is here. Does this make sense? And then the reality is he will pour out his spirit in every place. All flesh, all peoples, all tongues. Now the third question. Go to Psalm 85. I'm going to read real quick. Amen. You guys, anybody with me today? 
Okay, Psalm 85. What happens when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? This is what we can begin to get ready, write down, mark it in the Scripture. This is what's going to start happening. Psalm 85 Lord, you've been favorable to your land. When, when revival comes, the favor of God comes back. And all of a sudden, you just look and there's the goodness and the favor is restored. You brought back the captivity of Jacob. You know what else happens when there's a move of the Holy Spirit? Because of repentance and people turning to God, freedom comes back to the land. The opposite, when the Spirit of the Lord, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is captivity. So you see our, where we are in our own nation. For you've forgiven, verse 2, the iniquity of your people. So what happens? Forgiveness. Did not Jesus Christ come to forgive sin? And that's, and that's the message. You've covered all their sin. You've taken away all of your wrath. In other words, the love of God is beginning to be mag- It was love that was accomplished on the cross. I mean, he displayed no greater love than this that one laid down his life. You've turned from the fierceness of your anger. He took his wrath at the cross. He received it himself. Verse 4, restore us, O God, of our salvation. What else happens? Restoration. Things are restored. Families are restored. America, your families can be restored. Your children can be restored when the Spirit of God is poured out. And then he goes on, will you be angry forever? Verse 5, look in verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? When there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, things that it looked like have grown deadened are going to become alive again. And then there'll also not be life, there'll be a lot of joy Joy in the house of God. America needs joy. Some of these people on TV are some of the saddest people I've ever seen in my life. But they have a reason to be sad. We have a reason to be glad. And we have a reason to shout. And then verse 7, show us your mercy. That's what we need. Mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Great salvation comes. The masses will be saved. Just like he said, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 8, and I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Do you know when revival comes, when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people are going to start hearing God again. They're going to start showing up. Man, do you know what God spoke to me? I just heard. Man, I, I had a dream last night. This, and, and they'll be prophesying. Just like he said, it would happen. Your young men will see vision. Your old men. And uh, men servants, maid servants, young and old, they'll prophesy. They'll declare the word of the Lord. They'll speak what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace. And they'll, they'll be walking in the enormous peace of God. Remember, and I know Richard has reminded us, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. I just want to speed it up a little bit. Dear Lord, if we could, just speed it up. But he's going to still crush Satan under our feet, and he is the God of peace. And then he says, only let them not turn back to their folly. That represents repentance. They'll be the fruit. Remember John the Baptist said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Go bear fruit worthy of repentance. And so uh, there's repentance, and surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. It was 
prophetically spoken this morning, the fear of the Lord will come back to the land. You don't have to fear all the other things. We'll fear God. And if you fear God, you'll fear nothing else. That glory may dwell in our land. The glory of the Lord will begin to show itself. And then mercy and truth, righteousness. Verse 10, righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring up out of the earth. Now, it's awful hard today to find anyone that really has the truth. Now, we have the truth, but it's because we know the truth. And the truth is not just what we know. The truth is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Truth shall spring up. And then in verse 12, yes, the Lord will give what is good. You know that song we sing about the goodness of the Lord? When the goodness of God is on display, you can't help but sing about the goodness of God. It just is going to bubble out of you. God is good. Man, that's why I worship. If you haven't noticed, I get into worship. I want to. I just want to. Sometimes I forget I have to speak. I just, Lord, you are good. I want him to know I know that. I want to declare it. I'm not just playing games. And I just thank God he's a good God. But the days are coming. You're not going to be able to contain us. It ain't going to be, you just can't contain the goodness of the Lord. In this hour, with what's happening around us, are you kidding me? No, I'm telling you the truth. Do you think God is going to stop being good when justice begins to roll? No, it's just another aspect of who our God is. And our God is God of all. And he's reigning and ruling. And what he started, he's going to, be, going to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I'm almost finished. Look at this. And the land will yield its increase. There'll be an abundance. And there's been stories of Guatemala in places where revival would show up. And they, they would look in their garden. They would grow onions, you know, tomatoes. I'm ready for the big tomatoes. Because this week, this time we didn't even have hardly any. They were just little bitty measly. God, where's the increase? That's what he said. The land will yield its increase. And then look, it says, the last thing, righteousness will go before him. And he shall make his footsteps our pathway. When there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people will begin to find their path, their way, and they'll begin to fulfill the reason for which they've been birthed in the first place. They'll follow the Lamb wherever he goes, and they'll fulfill the will of the Father. And it'll be the kingdom of God and Jesus that gets all the glory. Well, those are three big questions. I wanted to share them with you because I have a lot of those questions right now. But how many of you know God is God? God is God. Well, amen. Come on up. Let's just worship a minute. We're going to. I know Ricky couldn't make it this morning because there's ice up in the northern part of the county. And if they get down, they may not get back up. So anyway, we're just going to have people, whoever's here that's a part of our altar team, come up and we're just going to pray for people. If you're visiting with us, we're just so glad you've joined us. Don't leave without letting somebody pray for you. If you have something, a need that you know only God can meet. And um, that's where we are in this hour. 
we have, a, we have needs in America right now that without God, it's not going to happen. But how many of you know he is the one in whom we trust? MAGA, God, it's you that can make a nation great. It's only heaven. It's God Almighty. And it begins with making sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And uh, so I believe there are many watching right now from wherever you're watching from. Somehow you've, you've, you've tuned in, and we want you to know the, that God loves you. And uh, he's going to do something where you are, and probably a good possibility he's going to use you. But you've got to know him. You've got to make sure that you're right with him. And you've just got to know that God is God and that Jesus is his son, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. And you've got to confess your sin. And if you confess, he's able to forgive you. And I know the word repentance, it means change. What that means, change your mind about who God is and change your mind about what God said was sin. It's like abortion. If you never confess it's sin, you can never be forgiven. You confess, I acknowledge, I admit, God, what you said in the Bible is true. So I confess it. And then when you confess it, he forgives you. And that's that change that leads to repentance and to forgiveness. So I want to just lead you in a prayer. And you know, Acts chapter 2, it ends, or that part that we read, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the hour. It's time to call on the name of the Lord like never before. So just pray with me. Just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. I confess that I need a savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. And I turn my life over to you. I confess that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose. And I make him the Lord of my life. I call upon him. I receive him by faith. And I say, yes, Lord, for the rest of my life, I will follow you. I will serve you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. And let your fire be on display in my land. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.